Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rob Moore with a caffeine cast, a short, sharp shot in the arm of motivation and inspiration. The title is The License to Print Money. Now, this 10 minute or so episode, I think, really could change how you grow and evolve your business, how you feel about recessions or downturns or challenges, and also how you de risk failing in your business or you de-risk issues of cash flow or profit. Now, I think if you think about it, one of the biggest risks in business is not knowing what your market wants, because you could order loads of inventory, loads of product of something you want to sell, but ultimately it doesn't sell because your customers and market doesn't want it. Atari know a big story about that. They were massive at one point in the what, 70s, 80s. And they created a new game called E.T. and no one wanted it. And actually, they went and had to bury, I don't know how many, I'm guessing millions of them, of these cartridges in a landfill site uh, in, in New Mexico. And you don't want to be doing that. None of us want to be doing that. And the best way, therefore, to de-risk that is what I call and what the tech world call crowdsourcing. And I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment. Most people on the planet in business do not have that sixth sense to know what their customer wants, like Steve Jobs did. You know, he said he never really did many customer surveys because he felt that he knew better than his customers what they wanted. Henry Ford famously said that if he'd have asked his customers what they wanted, they'd have said a faster horse. So I think it's kind of fun to be inspired by people like that who know their market better than their market know themselves. But I think that's quite a rarity. Now, of course, if you've been in your niche or industry 30 or 40 years, you may do. But then if you're not really monetizing it as much as you want, then maybe there's some gaps and this, this caffeine car should fill those gaps for you. So crowdsourcing is actually a really simple concept. It's kind of like one of those new words in the dictionary that didn't happen a few years ago. And the basic premise is that you create products or services that your potential or existing customers and clients have already told you they wanted. Now, if you think about that, that is the lowest risk way to create product services and intellectual property and to have the confidence to buy lots of stock and inventory, or at least just to know that what you're going to launch is going to go big. And it's really easy to do. I mean, it's, this isn't really, really kind of rocket science, but you simply have to care about your customers and clients enough to not force feed them what you want to sell or you want to deliver because you love it. You know, I see many of these sort of vegan restaurants creating all these weird and wonderful recipes because, you know, they really, they're really passionate about that. But is that what people want to eat? And really, that's what you've got to ask your customers and clients. What is it you want to eat? So here's what you want to find out from them. You may want to list these down. Of course, if you're driving, don't do that. You want to find out their biggest pains. What are the things that keep them up at night? What big challenges are they having that they want solving? How can you serve them and what service do they want? What would make their life easier, faster, better, happier? What would solve their time the, the fastest? 
what would save their time. Of course, time is pretty much the most valuable resource to your customers and clients. And if your products or services can meet those needs, then you have a business. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you ask them, they're probably going to give you answers you didn't really think of. And therefore, you're able to create products and services or iterate yours to reach a wider market. Now, you don't know what you don't know, and you can't read the minds of your customers and clients. So if you think about it from a common sense point of view, asking them what they want, what they need, their pains, their problems, is really the license to print money. If you think about it, I don't really get why most people don't do this, but I guess maybe they're in a rush to get their product or service to market, or they're so passionate about their idea that they're blinkered to the fact that other people might not want it. Or maybe it's a kind of an ego thing. I don't know, but... It's not really that difficult, is it, to say, hey, what do you want? Okay, yeah, that sounds good. All right, I'll be back with you in a couple of months. Oh, you know, a couple of months you told me what you wanted. Here it is. How much do you want to pay for it? Oh, okay, I'll be back in a month. Oh, you know, I came back to you last month and said that, you know, you wanted this product and this is what you pay for it. Here it is. Pay for it. (laughs) It's really not that difficult. Okay, so examples of this are books. So I've written, what, seven? I don't know, seven, eight, I lose count, books. And I've got a list at the moment of about nine or 10 books that I want to write. And I did a survey to a few of our communities asking them which book they wanted me to write next. Now, what I wanted to do was say, I've got 10 books. This is the one I'd really like to write next. Would that, would that be okay with you? Or when I ordered their choices, A, B, C, D, I wanted to put the book that I wanted to write the most at the top. Now, that would have been gaming the system, and I just think that that would have been a stupid thing to do. And so I asked them, what book do you want me to write next? And I was amazed, actually, that 75-ish percent of them wanted me to write a book about leveraging and outsourcing and kind of getting more done in less time. Now, this was to a, the majority of this community were property investors. Now, the one I wanted to write the most was all about money, and I assumed that everyone would want to read a book about money more than anything else. Now, maybe that's because that's a subject I love or I assume that everyone wants to make money. But a lot of people have fears, doubts, worries, concerns about money. To a lot of entrepreneurs, it's not just about the money. So A, I would have been an idiot to then go and do that survey and then tell me that they want me to write a book about leveraging and outsourcing and getting more done in less time and then go and write a book about money. B, I have completely de-risked the fact that that book is not going to sell and I can be more comfortable in getting a lot of stock and investing time to put it on iTunes and put it on Audible and put it on ebook and everything else. And I think the clever part about this is you've already got a lot of people who've kind of put their hand up to say, hey, I'd buy that when it comes out. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. That's called pre-selling or it's like a pre-launch. So any audio products, books, podcasts that you're listening to, courses that we run at our companies, I ask my community first what they want, or I'll watch them, I'll talk to them, I'll engage with them. So that's the next thing you want to write down. If you talk to and engage with your social media communities, your customers through SurveyMonkey or emailing them through your email contact list or however you contact them, WhatsApp, whatever... If you engage with them, you listen to them, you watch what their problems are, you watch how they solve them and other people solve them, then you create, you're able to create information products or services that you know that they're going to want. And in the old days of leveraging and outsourcing, I used to have all my social media accounts managed. And I guess that was at the time when I was operational in the business still. I kind of kidded myself that I was strategic, but I was still in the office 40, 50 hours a week. 
And since I'm completely strategic now in the business and don't have to go into the office, and often if I do, I just go and annoy all my team anyway, I've found that I can spend more time on social. And I used to see it as a kind of an operational task. Now I see it as a highly leveraged, highly efficient, highly top-level task because if I engage with my communities and customers, I'm learning all the time about my market and therefore I'm able to get things to market first and I'm able to guarantee as much as you can guarantee that I know I'm offering them stuff that they want, which creates raving fans. Okay, so the next thing then in this crowdsourcing is what they call in the tech world MVP. You may have heard of that, minimum viable product. So the first thing is you ask them what they want. The next thing is you create a minimum viable product, i.e. you create iteration one, version one. If you go all out and spend too much time creating something that you want to be perfect, one, it might take you too long to get to the market, and two, what they want may have changed or evolved if it's you know a long lead time, like two or three years, like a, a studio album can be or a book can sometimes be. Or, yeah, so the world may have moved, but also you may not have taken it exactly how they communicated it with you. So when you create a minimum viable product, a version one, if you like, then what you're able to do is iterate so or pivot, as they say. You're able to tweak, to change. We do this with our Property Investing Secrets book. We've now just launched version four or edition four. Now, edition one was written in 2008, but the property world changes so much. So every two or three years, when we've collated a lot of information about what our communities and investors want and need, the pains and problems, then we write a version two and we will release it. So that book's never finished. And I think that that's a good thing because it means that, A, you're going to get repeat buyers because the the same people are going to buy version two, three, four or five. B, it doesn't have to be exactly perfect now. C, you're already going to have a captive market who are already going to buy it. The next thing then is to do test launches. So if you followed this process, you're de-risking launching something that's not going to work. That being said, though, if you've done all this, you still don't have 100% guarantee that it's going to fly. You might, have a, you might not have got the title right. You may, not have, you may not have quite clearly conveyed the concept. It could be anything. One small thing could, could break the system, if you like. So if you test launch, which is get your product or service or idea and launch it to a segment of your database or a small part of your customers, maybe your preferred buyers first or maybe your coldest buyers, you're able to then get feedback on that launch. How did that go? Worst case scenario, you pull it so that you, you, know, you don't waste any time. Best case scenario, you've got great data that it's going to fly and you launch it big and you've got more confidence. Or somewhere in the middle, you might do version two, iteration 1.2, or kind of create the next level of the product or service. And often when you're rushing or you're desperate or the cash flow is tight, you'll, you'll kind of jump, leapfrog these test launches and go straight into full launch. That's risky. Now, just as an example of a book or a podcast, because you're involved in that process with me, so it's a a good thing to talk about as a demonstration, is the titles, they were tested. The communities were asked about the titles or pay-per-click ads were done on the titles to see which one got, got the most response. Because just because someone lands on Amazon or Audible or iTunes doesn't mean that they're going to actually download or subscribe to the book or the podcast unless the title is exciting to them. And even the title of each podcast. It's funny when I look at all the analytics, the podcasts that get downloaded the most versus the least, a lot of that is is to do with the title. So you want to test everything, the title, the concept, the subtitle, so that you've got this license to print money. You want to get feedback then. So each iteration, you want to get feedback from your community, your fans, your followers, your customers. 
you know, what could you start? What could you stop? What could you keep? I can't remember what book I learned that in. It might have been a Jim Collins book or it might have been Scaling Up. But that, those three little questions in your f- survey are brilliant. What should I start? What should I stop? What should I keep? A, because you know you're never going to fill in a survey or respond to questions if there's like 15 questions. This survey will take only 17 hours of your time. You're never going to respond to that. Whereas if, if someone just asks you, hey, look, I want to improve and give you better products and services. I want to save you time. What should we start, stop, keep? Just A, B, C, one line. Your clients, customers are much more likely to, to fill that in. And also those questions engage what you're doing well, what you're doing badly, and what you're not doing at all that you should be doing. So each iteration, ask the start, stop, keep model. Ask them what would make them want to go and tell all their friends about your product, service or idea. Because if you say, oh, um, you know, what do you like about us? It's a bit vanilla. If you say, oh, what would make you recommend us? But if you said, what would go and make you go and tell all your friends about it? Because the thing is, people, you know your customers and fans are in love with your products and services if they'll go and tell their friends. Because that's the biggest risk to them. Because if that goes wrong, that reflects really bad on them. Of course, if it goes well, it reflects well on them. So you could ask at one of your iteration points, what would make you want to tell all your friends about us? So then let's go back to this pre-selling. So if you're doing the crowdsourcing model and you're getting your customers involved in the creation of your products and services, they're pre-sold, which means they're already half bought. Now, it plays on their ego because anyone who helped create something is going to feel part of it. And therefore, when it's launched, is going to want to buy it and they're going to want to refer it to others. Okay, so if you haven't joined the Disruptive Entrepreneurs community, make sure you do. Just type in Disruptive Entrepreneur or Disruptive Entrepreneur community into Facebook. It's a private group, so make sure you're a member of that community. And if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Thank you. 